You're listening to Plug In to Health with Prevea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you, the latest developments in health and medicine, and the inspiring stories that emerge from Prevea Health, our partners, and the communities we serve. Back pain is one of the most common medical problems and can have a significant impact on one's quality of life. Medications, physical therapy, injections, and more can be prescribed to treat back pain. But in some cases, surgery really is the best option. At Provea Health, we are partnered with Neuroscience Group to provide patients access to highly skilled physicians like Dr. Andrew Green, an orthopedic spine surgeon and our featured expert on this episode. Welcome, Dr. Green. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so we before we dive into the topic, I just want to learn a little bit about you. First of all, uh, you're from the Green Bay area, Preble High School graduate. That's correct. Yes, I went to Preble High School. Um, I played basketball there. That's been a big passion of mine. So uh, my idol is Tony Bennett. A lot of you might know Tony Bennett. So I grew up watching him at Preble for three years, and then I went to all the UWGB basketball games. So um, I'm a big Tony Bennett fan. So what's it like to be, well, first of all, tell us where your, a little bit of your educational background and your experience. Sure, absolutely. So yeah, so I went to Preble, and then from Preble, I went to, I wasn't quite ready to give up the basketball dream. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up going to Beloit College. I got my Bachelor in Science, so that allowed me to uh, further educate myself and pursue my, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. My, my, my father is a, well, he's retired now, but he was an internist at the time. So I knew that that was my, my goal ultimately, but uh, I wasn't ready to give up that competitive uh, nature. And so I, I also played basketball at Beloit, which is a division three, uh, same conference as uh, St. Norbert's, but um, it was a great experience. I uh, got a great education. And then from there, I, uh, took a year off, which they call a gap year now, um, so which was nice. So I, I moved up to Minneapolis. It allowed me to make some friends up there. I had a couple jobs, just kind of relaxed before diving into medical school, which is obviously uh, very challenging. Um, but then I got into medical school, and I ended up going to University of Kansas City, Missouri. So Kansas City uh, was a great experience. It's a beautiful city. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but uh, it's definitely on my top five U.S. cities. So I highly recommend going there if you ever have a chance. Um, The education was great. I was there for four years. And then after that, I moved to Chicago with my wife. So I married my high school sweetheart. So she followed me throughout this journey. And uh, we um, together we moved to Chicago. I did a year internship. So, and then after that, I knew I wanted to do orthopedics. So I tailored my internship so that I could be in the program where I was going to apply for my orthopedic residency, which paid off. I got the uh, spot, so that was great. And uh, that was five years. Um, I, so my orthopedic residency was through Midwestern University, which is um, in Olympia Fields, which is the southern um, uh, uh, suburb, South Chicago suburb. Um, it, it was a great, uh, great experience. A lot of diversity, as you can imagine, uh, a lot of population, huge population in Chicago, a lot of traffic. So unfortunately, you know, we saw a lot of those car accidents, but um, I, I got to rotate through many different health systems. Uh, so it was just a great, great exposure, great experience. Um, and I also, through that journey, I was exposed to spine 
uh, surgery. I spent a couple months at Shriners Hospital, and that's kind of where I ultimately fell in love with uh, spines. So I made the decision that I wanted to spend one more year uh, specializing in spine, and I completed that uh, fellowship at Texas Back Institute, which is just north of Dallas. So my wife and I, and uh, I think one or two children at the time, (laughs) moved to uh, Texas for a year and uh, had a great experience there. And after that was all done, our goal was always to move back to um, Green Bay, closer to friends and family. So in 2008, we finally uh, completed the journey and moved back, and, and here we are 15 years later. Yeah, so what's it like <laughs> to be caring for patients right here where you grew up? Oh, it's great. It's great. And that's that's one of the greatest things that I love about our relationship with uh, Purveya. Uh, so we've been partnered with Purveya now for the last uh, almost year, and uh, it has definitely been very gratifying in, uh, for me uh, personally in that I, I'm allowed a greater uh, presence here in Green Bay, and uh, I'm allowed to give back to the community that I grew up and ultimately love. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. Yeah. And we're so glad to have you here. And, um, you know, goal of, of this episode here is, is to highlight surgical treatment for back pain. We know that there are many options for back pain treatment, but we're going to hone in on the surgery. And I want you to tell me a little bit about how do you know when it comes to back pain, how does one know that it might be time for surgery and or what are the factors you look at as a surgeon when you say it's time for surgery? Yeah, I'm, the way that the health systems are set up now is a lot of the patients, by the time they get to a surgeon's office, they've been dealing with these symptoms for um, you know a decent amount of time, maybe months, and they've tried a lot of the non-operative stuff. Um, you know, albeit uh, physical therapy, medications, injections. So usually the vast majority of patients that get to my office, they expect to at least have that discussion about surgery. And you're right, it is, uh, it's a big decision. It's, 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 it's a difficult decision to make in one visit when you have, you know, 15, 30 minutes. Um, but it is a joint decision. You know, I always uh, tell patients, you know, ultimately they're the ones that know, ex- you know, I try to get a good history and physical and evaluate um, the images and get a good idea and a good sense of, you know, exactly what they're experiencing, what type of pain they're in, and, and what, how it's affecting their life. Uh, but they only, they're the ones that truly know exactly how much this is um, preventing them from being as active as they like. So I always tell them ultimately, you know, it's your decision. I, my part as a surgeon, I think, uh, is to take their story, look at the images, and then give them an honest opinion on whether or not I think surgery is a good viable option. And, and I think honesty obviously is the best policy. So, you know, the patients, the vast majority of patients that I operate on, usually I tell them I'm 80 to 90% confident the surgery is going to work. You know, um, you know, I, if, if it's a 50-50 shot, I, I try not to, I, for me, I personally try to persuade them from doing surgery because to me, you know, there's risk to everything. And uh, for a 50-50 chance of, of making someone's life better, I, I think uh, that's kind of a, a big a big ask, if you will. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely, you know, something that we decide together. Yeah, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's definitely looking at each um, individual patient's needs. Are there any key factors that you look at when you say, okay, this person is a candidate for surgery? Yeah, I mean, definitely their complaints um, and their exam and then the images all have to mesh. You know, it has to make sense. Um, And then from that... uh, 
then I can tell them, yeah, definitely, uh, I'm 90% confident this surgery is going to help. Sometimes, even though they have a surgical issue on the imaging, the MRI, the x-ray, but it doesn't totally match their symptoms, then I'll tell them, listen, I mean, you do have a, a problem in your spine that I do treat surgery for, but in my opinion, I don't think this is necessarily the problem, so I would, I would uh, search elsewhere. And a lot of times, you know, if I don't think it's the, it's the spine issue, then I'll refer them on to uh, neurologists, uh, orthopedists. Sometimes it's the hip and, and not the spine. Uh, sometimes I send them to rheumatologists. Um, so not, I'm not afraid to get, uh, you know, other specialists involved if, if I truly don't think it's, it's, it's from the spine. What would you say are the most common back surgeries that you perform? Yeah, I mean, the, the most common three surgeries that I perform in the lumbar spine is number one, a, a disc herniation surgery. Uh, disc herniation is very common. Uh, as you know, as we age, our disc, it weakens and degenerates and one, one wrong move, lifting something heavy, you kick out a, disc, uh, a piece of disc material and it pushes up against a nerve, which nerves are very easy to irritate. They don't like to be pressed by anything. So it can be even a very small disc herniation. If it's perfectly in the wrong spot, it can cause uh, some major um, issues with the nerve. So, uh, and that surgery is relatively, you know, straightforward as far as spine surgery goes. Um, basically, you just make an incision, you go down, remove a little bit of bone to expose the nerves, and then you shave down the disc fragment that's pushing on the nerve and leave the rest of the disc there. So it's not like you remove the entire disc. So that's probably the, one of the most common procedures I perform. The second uh, problem that's very common is what's called stenosis. So stenosis is just a fancy word for narrowing. So just like you can have carotid stenosis in an artery, that means the artery is getting closed. Uh, same thing with the spine. And there's a lot of reasons to why there, there can be stenosis in your spine. One is uh, what disc herniation can cause stenosis. Um, arthritis can cause stenosis, a fracture, infection, tumor. Um, but most commonly, it's, it's arthritis. So that surgery is uh, also relatively uh, smaller. Uh, it, that involves making an incision and just kind of, I say, rotor rooter. So you're basically just scraping away the arthritis to free up uh, the nerves, make room for the nerves to live so that they're happy. And then the third most common procedure that I perform is what's called a, a fusion. So that's fusing the back together with usually cages and screws and rods. And the most common reason you would have to do that is for instability. So as arthritis progresses, um, as we age, it can get to the point where your spine becomes unstable. And if, if you do have the instability, then, then the best surgery for you is probably a fusion. So these procedures that you've described, are these minimally invasive? Does it depend? Yes, absolutely. They can be. Um, not everybody does a minimally invasive, but uh, the newer technology, the new way to do this is, is minimally invasive. And basically that means smaller incisions, usually using a tube. So you're kind of working down this tube. Uh, there's lo less soft tissue destruction. So the pulse out of pain is less. The recovery is faster. Uh, shorter hospital stays. Less blood loss. Um, I've been doing this for... 14 or 15 years, I think, doing a lumbar fusion, I've only had to transfuse one patient. So, I mean, it, it really, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's the way to, to perform these surgeries if, if, some, if you can have them done. Any thoughts on who or what someone should consider when they're seeking out surgery for their back pain? Yes. I mean, number one, you have to consider all your options, obviously. So um, they should have exhausted all the non-operative measures. And if, if that uh, has not mitigated their symptoms, then I think surgery is a, a viable option for them. Um, I think they need to consider, obviously, their surgeon. 
that they're going to have surgery with and whether or not it's a good fit. Um, I think that's something patients can kind of uh, figure out on their own within a you know, 15, 30-minute uh, office visit. So you want them, obviously, to feel comfortable with, with uh, the surgeon, and, and not only the surgeon, his personality and, and how he carries himself, but also the, the procedure that they're offering. Because, um, you know, unfortunately, in spine surgery, there are a lot of different ways to treat the same problem. So uh, there's more aggressive ways to treat it, and there's more con- conservative ways to surgically treat it. So uh, if something doesn't sound right to a patient, you know, um, I, you know, if a patient asks me, do you mind if I go get a second opinion? I always tell them, listen, I want you to feel comfortable with this. This is, a, I understand this is a major uh, decision for you. Um, so by all means, go see a second opinion. I, I routinely don't ask the patient to make up their final decision if they want surgery in the office, because I, I do understand it. It's, I mean, it's a 15, 30 minute visit. It's a lot to consider. Some people have to consider their work, their social life, um, you know, if they take care of a, a son. So there's a lot of things that kind of play into this. So I always tell them, this is your option. I write down the surgery. So I, I describe the surgery as best I can. And then I ask them to go look it up if they want. Uh, there's a lot of good information out on the, on the web. I mean, not all of it is good, but, um, and then I just have them call me and uh, let me know if they decide to do surgery. Before you go, you know, get to that that OR room with with the patient, is it how important is it to walk them through the procedure that you are going to be performing and and explaining it to them what it is you're performing and and why and how it's going to help them? Um, Is that one way that we can prepare patients as they're headed into? Yeah, absolutely. It uh, definitely helps for them to have a a good understanding of what the problem is and how I'm going to correct that problem. Um, I think, you know, I'm a very visual person myself, so I try to take the time to show them the images and kind of describe in in layman's terms as best I can to kind of show them exactly what is going on in their spine. And then we also have models in the exam rooms that we can show them and uh, and kind of give them a better idea of, of what, especially for fusions, we have models with the screws and the rods and the cages and just something visual that they can see to kind of get a better idea. But even then after that, we have a whole system set up for patients. Uh, they see the surgical nurse, and they go. They answer all the questions. They tell them what to expect the day of surgery, um, the day after surgery, and even in the recovery. And it is such a smooth process by, that by the time I see them the day of surgery, I would say 80% of the patients don't have a single question for me. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. In fact, the most common question I get is, How'd you sleep last night? <laughs> I'm not That's kidding. That's an important question. It is an important question. That's an and important and question. fortune for me, I sleep like a baby. So yeah. I always tell myself very well. <laughs> well, it sounds like it, it really takes a team of, of, you know, experts to care for patients in need of this type of care. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it, not only the doctors, but then the nurse practitioners and the phys- physician assistants and then the surgical nurses. Um, then you have the nurses at the hospital, the pre-op, the surgical nurses and the recovery nurses. Uh, then after that, physical therapy, occupational therapy, typically see patients and make sure they're uh, showing techniques to get out of bed and how to get out of bed and how to get to a chair and then how to walk. And they assess if the patient's safe enough to go home on their own. So it's definitely a team approach. Yeah. What does recovery look like for a back surgery patient? Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends if, um, 
you know the the degree of the surgery so i would i would put a disc herniation in a lumbar stenosis procedure together and then you basically have the fusions so the the smaller procedures like a disc herniation or um, a laminectomy for the stenosis those patients typically can be done as an outpatient so they come in have the surgery go home the same day um, and then if they're working i usually tell them routinely off of work f- for four weeks, but there's some variability, obviously, d- depending on your, your job demands. So if you have a desk job, then some patients, I tell them you can get back at two weeks if you really want to. But if you're a construction worker and you need to lift 70 pounds, then obviously it's going to be a little bit longer. My goal is to get them to full activities at three months for those type of procedures. So that's uh, doing everything that they want to do. So golf, running, biking, ATV and snowmobile and that kind of stuff would be three months. Then there's the fusion patients. So doing a minimally invasive, I usually say about 89% of the time I, I can get them, those patients to go home the next day. Um, and their recovery is a little bit slower, but I still tell them usually about four to six weeks I can get you back to work. And even there is some, uh, you can get in a little bit sooner depending on your job demands. So, um, but then I do limit how much you lift for the fusion. So I limit it to 10 pounds for the first couple of weeks and then it goes up to 20 pounds. And for fusions, my goal is to get to full activities at six months. So that becomes an issue for, uh, you know, a lot of people that like to golf in the summertime. So they're always trying to put the, you know, schedule the surgery around golf or something like that. But um, I, I think six months is, is pretty realistic. Would you say that surgery offers immediate relief? Um, it definitely can. I mean, in fact, that's one of the things that first... Uh, uh, um, I found appealing in spine surgery. It's, it's crazy. I mean, uh, you know, you can see somebody uh, come into your office and they're hardly able to walk in severe pain, um, even crying. And after an hour procedure, they wake up and the pain is gone instantly. So uh, it's, it's very gratifying. In fact, my favorite part of my job is seeing my six-week post-op patients because those patients are usually, at that point, the, the initial incisional pain is gone. The ridiculous symptoms, for the most part, are gone. They're very appreciative. Um, and hearing that never gets old. Uh, so um, I love seeing my six-week post-op patients. <laughs> And that brings me to my next question was, you know, do you find that patients are more excited going into surgery looking for that relief? Or is there that level of anxiety there? Yeah, I think there's a there's a small level uh, level of anxiety. But for the most part, I think it's overwhelmingly um, excitement to finally uh, get their life back. Uh, a lot of these patients have been, you know, dealing with these symptoms for a long time, and they've, they've tried a lot of things. And so by the time they get to the surgery, uh, they're ready to hopefully get some relief. Yeah. So for, you know, all of the, you know, the back surgeries that you've done, the, the many, many patients that you've cared for, what would your, your words of advice, your tips be for keeping your spine as healthy as possible, right? Yeah. So you're not running into back problems later down the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't figured out everything. I'm still (laughs) learning uh, as I age myself. But some things I've learned, number one, you got to listen to your body. 
Um, you know, as we're younger, we feel invincible and we think we can do anything. And then as you age, you realize that, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But by the time you realize that, it's a little too late. So, um, you know, you know, I found that I know my body more than anybody else, any any internist or doctor that I go see. And I think that's true for the patients. So I really try to listen to the patients and, and trust the patients that what they're describing or trying to say, because it's not always easy to describe your ailments. It, it can be hard. Um, but so number one, uh, listen to your body. Number two, obviously staying fit uh, definitely helps. Um, you know, I mean, in America, we have a very good taste in food, so um, it, it's, it can be tough, but definitely staying fit uh, will help prevent, uh, you know, back problems down the line. Uh, number three, smoking. A lot of people don't realize how bad smoking is for your, your spine. Um, you know, obviously, obviously everybody knows about the lung issue, but uh, it, smoking is one of the worst things for your for your back and early arthritis and degeneration because the nicotine causes the arteries to close up and then you don't get any good blood supply into the discs. So, um, so that's that's the third. Um, let's see, fourth. I would say if you like to stay active, I would cross train. Um, I think repetitive, same exercise, same routine over and over again, you get overuse. That's how you get overuse problems. So I've learned the hard way that um, I think it's, it's best to cross train. Those are really, really good tips. Dr. Green, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Plug Into Health. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, it was my pleasure being here today, and I hope that uh, whoever listens to this finds this uh, helpful in, in their decisions if they unfortunately do have back problems. Um, but if you do, we're, we're there for, to help you. And we know that you, you're, you've got a good night's sleep. Exactly. So you're, you're going to be tip-top shape in the operating room, Absol- right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Green, thank you so much for joining us. And to our listeners, you can learn more about back pain causes and treatments in another episode of Plug Into Health featuring Dr. Randall Johnson. That episode is available now. And for more information, please visit Prevea.com slash neurosurgery. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Prevea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit Prevea.com slash podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your healthcare, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Prevea Health at Prevea.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Prevea Health. <laughs>